0: John's Gospel in chapter 13. We want to commence our reading at verse 18. John 13 and verse number 18. I speak not of you all, I know whom I have chosen. But that the scripture may be fulfilled, he that eateth bread with me hath lifted up his heel against me. Now I tell you before it come, that when it has come to pass, ye may believe that I am he. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that receiveth whomsoever I send receiveth me, and he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. When Jesus had thus said, he was troubled in spirit, and testified and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, that one of you shall betray me. Then the disciples looked one on another, doubting of whom he spake. Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. Simon Peter therefore beckoned to him that he should ask who it should be of whom he spake. And then lying on Jesus' breast, saith unto him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, He it is to whom I shall give a sop when I have dipped it. And when he had dipped the sop, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. And after the sop, Satan entered into him. Then said Jesus unto him, That thou doest, do quickly. Now no man at the table knew for what intent he spake this unto him. For some of them thought, because Judas had the bag, that Jesus had said unto him, Buy those things that we have need of against the feast." or that he should give something to the poor. He then, having received the sop, went immediately out, and it was night. We trust God will add his blessing to the reading of his own holy, inerrant, and infallible word to our hearts. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we want to thank thee this day for the opportunity to read once again the word of the Lord. And, Lord, it is our desire that you would speak to us from it. God, what a very sober and somber passage of Scripture it is that we have read, both in our Scripture reading and even now for the message. And, God, we pray today that, God, that you would speak and minister to our hearts, and that, God, for those that, God, are outside of Christ, that, God, that you would deal with their souls and God, those that we know that are outside of Christ have find themselves in a similar predicament like Judas, that, O oh God, that they would find the salvation that is in Christ Jesus our Lord before it is eternally too late. So, God, we pray for outpouring of Thy Spirit upon the preaching of Thy Word. And, Lord, I pray once again for that anointing that does not make preaching easy but effective. And God, I pray that I would know that power of the Holy Ghost resting upon me and ministering forth the word of life, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. What comes to your mind when you hear the words, a Judas kiss? The answer inevitably is a betrayer or a backstabber. The term a Judas kiss is even a term that those outside the church are very familiar with and a term that they use. But who is this man called Judas Iscariot? Someone has said that he is the one who kissed the very door of heaven and went to hell. He is the one who was offered fountains of living waters, but he refused to drink he was the one that was offered the bread of heaven, and refused to eat. Judas is an example to us today of an apostate. He said, "Well, why are you preaching on this today?" Well, one of the reasons is, as we have seen, within our own time in which we are living, many so-called Christians that have come out, and they were so-called evangelical Bible believers. They said that they believed the Bible. They were an errantist. They believed that every jot and tittle of God's word was God's word. And then they have recently come out in recent days and said that they deny the Bible entirely entirely. They deny the existence of God. And we see to some degree that there are some very well known people that have denied the faith. And this is what we see in Judas Iscariot. He was an apostate. But what is an apostate? So often, particularly in our own denomination, we hear that term thrown about. You know, that denomination is an apostate denomination. Or that is an apostate church. Or that is an apostate teacher. But what do we mean by apostate? We need to have a good definition. Dr. Michael Kruger gave a very good definition of an apostate. He said, what is an apostate? An apostate is someone who's inside God's covenant community, is part of the visible church, who professed faith in Christ, seems to be a believer, probably partakes of the Lord's Supper, and is a member of that congregation. And then later, consciously and intentionally repudiates their belief in Christ and leaves the covenant community. That is what an apostate is. Someone that is raised in the church, if you will, nurtured in the church. They profess faith in Jesus Christ. They seem to be a believer. When the Lord's table comes about, they come and they sit at the table. They eat of the bread. They drink of the wine. They've been baptized. They know the catechisms. But yet, they intentionally, later, consciously repudiate their belief in Christ and leave that covenant community. I think a very well-known example to us today, if you have ever read much about uh, apostasy, uh, you know that one individual comes to mind by the name of Bart Ehrman. Bart Ehrman was an evangelical Christian, was raised in a fundamentalist church, went to Moody Bible Institute was instructed in the Word of God. And we know Moody Bible Institute was a fundamentalist school, was taught the Word of God, went to Princeton to study for a graduate degree, came to the the conclusion that you could not believe the Bible is the Word of God. He turned his back on religion and is now an apostate. This is an important issue for us today to consider BECAUSE THERE ARE SCORES OF YOUNG PEOPLE, MIDDLE aged PEOPLE, OLDER PEOPLE, NO MATTER WHAT AGE BRACKET YOU FIND YOURSELF IN, THAT FIT THE ABOVE DESCRIPTION, AND NO DOUBT YOU AND I KNOW PEOPLE LIKE THIS. WE KNOW PEOPLE THAT WERE NURTURED IN THE CHURCH, TAUGHT THE WORD OF GOD, PARTICIPATED IN THE SACRAMENTS OF THE CHURCH, THE LORD'S SUPPER, WERE BAPTIZED, memorized the catechism, came to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night to special meetings, were actively engaged in the church, and now you cannot find them with the FBI. They are gone, and you have never seen them again. They have apostatized. And there is a real danger today, particularly for our young people, abandoning the faith when they go out from their home and they go to university. And they are taught that you cannot trust the Bible. That is just a book that's been written by men. It is utterly corrupted, and you cannot know what is in it. And they cause them and they try to rationalize that you cannot believe in a higher being, that it is irrational to believe in such a thing. The book of Hebrews that we read from actually warns us and calls us to take heed lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief, and departing from the living God. And this is why it's important that we gather together as the people of God. Because he goes on to say in the next verse, but exhort one another daily, while well, ye have today. This is why all the more we should gather together. And would to God that we are almost like that church in the, in the book of Acts that virtually Paul, we gather together every single day in some capacity to exhort and to encourage one another in the things of God. It is not just a possibility that some will depart from the faith. It is a reality. The closer we approach the final day, the greater the apostasy we see. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that those who have been truly regenerated, will fall from grace. That is not what I'm teaching here today. If you have been regenerated by the power of the Spirit, and the Spirit of God has been implanted within you, and you have been converted, and effectually called, justified, declared righteous, it is a divine impossibility for you to ever fall away from grace. But what I am saying today is for those that know all those things. They, they know about regeneration. They can talk to you about regeneration. They can quote you the catechism. They can explain to you justification. They can explain to you regeneration. They can explain to you sanctification. They know all the outwards. They know what the Lord's Supper represents. They know what baptism represents. They're a member of the church, but they're still lost. You say, is that possible? Yes. There's many people that attend church, they are outwardly religious. Did not Jesus address these people? Did not Jesus address the Pharisees? He said, outwardly, he said, you look very good. He said, you're like whitewashed sepulchres, very beautiful on the outside. He said, but inwardly, he said, you're full of dead men's bones, stench. There are serious warnings in God's word to those that would abandon ship and capitulate. So will you be one that departs from the living God? I pray not. And this is why we need to be here daily in a local church on every Sunday, finding ourselves in a local church where there's God's people to encourage us. And during the week, if we're able to, to encourage one another to continue on with the Lord. Will you be one that departs from the living God? The Bible tells us in Hebrews ten twenty six and twenty-seven that if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries. So by examining Judas's life today, I want to bring you a message on the danger of departing from the living. God. The danger of departing from the living God. The first thing I want you to notice about Judas is that he had an appearance of godliness. I want you to see under this that Judas was chosen by Christ. We are first introduced to Judas in the beginning stages of our Lord's ministry. In Luke 6 and verse 12, the Lord Jesus spends a whole night in prayer on a mountainside. And it is after a night of prayer that Jesus chooses the 12, whom he also would call apostles. The Holy Spirit records of Judas in Acts 1 17 that he was numbered among the apostles and had obtained part of the ministry. Some would say he started off well, but he finished terribly. But I submit to you that he never truly started to begin with. He was not converted, but only simply had the appearance. Jesus gave the parable of the kingdoms of heaven. In Matthew 13, he spoke about tares among the wheat. And you know what Judas was? He was a tear among the wheat. You know, the, the actual word is a, uh, carries the idea of, it uh, looks exactly the same as wheat. The only way you can tell the difference between a tear and a wheat, if I had a tear here and a wheat here, the only way you could tell the difference is if I broke it open, and I was to show you the inside, inside the wheat you would find the kernel. But inside the tear it would be empty. And that is a perfect picture of the spiritual condition of mankind. The real wheat are those that have the kernel of truth. They have the Holy Spirit inside of them. But the tear, they outwardly look the same. But inside they are destitute of the Holy Spirit. They are destitute of the life of God. We see that Judas was a devil from the beginning as Jesus said. So he had an appearance of godliness. He was chosen by Christ. But why would our Lord choose someone whom he knew would betray him? Let me give you two reasons why this possibly could be. Our Lord chose Judas Iscariot in order to fulfill prophecy. In John 13, 18, it says, The scripture must be fulfilled. He that eateth bread with me hath lifted up his heel against me. And this refers back to Psalm 41 and verse 9. Before our Lord's mind was Psalm 109. It was called by the Latin fathers, the psalmist Iscariotius, and was pronounced that none of them, the 12 disciples, is lost, but the son of perdition that the scripture might be fulfilled, John 17, 12. Also, the Old Testament predicted that the Messiah would be betrayed by an intimate friend who ate with him. Psalm 41 and verse 9. And so our Lord ordained 12 that they should be with him. Judas had to be with him in order that an intimate friend might betray him. So Jesus had to choose Judas. David, speaking as a prophet concerning the traitor, said, Set thou the wicked one over him, and let Satan stand at his right hand. And so it is said of Judas that he was a devil, John 6, 70, who had Satan for his advisor, and who entered into Judas and led him to betray Jesus. That one Satan was there at his right hand. There Judas was filled with the devil. Satan entered into him, standing on the right hand, as it were, of the Son of God to betray him. Second reason why our Lord likely chose Judas was because He was instrumental in leading Him to the cross. In our Westminster Confession of Faith, as it regards providence, it states that we believe that God has ordained whatsoever comes to pass. And we believe the cross, the scripture teaches that the cross was or forever in the eternal plan of God, ordained to happen. IN ORDER TO REDEEM AND ELECT PEOPLE TO HIMSELF. AND JUDAS WAS PART OF THAT PLAN. HE WAS A MEANS IN BRINGING ABOUT THE MOST TERRIBLE SIN THAT HAS EVER HAPPENED ON PLANET EARTH. THAT IS THE CRUCIFIXION OF THE SON OF GOD. OUR SAVIOR IS AN INTIMATE PRAYER WITH THE FATHER IN JOHN 17, THAT HIGH PRIESTLY PRAYER. AND THEN HE MOVES TO THE GARDEN WHERE HE PRAYS IN DEEP AGONY. AND IS THERE AT THAT POINT IN THE GARDEN, that the betrayal takes place. The betrayer appears with a great multitude with swords and staves to arrest him. Matthew 26, 47. Our Lord could have invoked the angels of heaven to deliver him, but he chose not to. But he said the scriptures must be fulfilled that thus it must be. But all this was done that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Matthew 26 and verse 56. One writer said, Thus Jesus chose Judas as a disciple. For it was through Judas that God would convey to Christ the cup of His wrath against the sins of His elect, which cup Jesus must drink on the cross for our salvation. Judas was an instrument, if you will, in the hand of God that was sovereignly used of the Lord, even though he was a great sinner. And committed a great betrayal. But yet the Lord used the evil circumstances to accomplish the greatest thing that has ever taken place, the redemption of the souls of men upon the cross of Calvary and Jesus there dying and atoning for the sins of His people. So we see that Judas had an appearance of godliness. He was chosen by Christ, but secondly as well, not only chosen by Christ, but Judas also performed miracles. This is an appearance of godliness. And Matthew 10 in verse 1, we read there, And when He had called unto Him His twelve disciples, He gave them power or authority over against unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. So outwardly, He appeared to be doing the very same things that the other disciples were doing. By all appearance, He seemed to be a follower of Christ, even to the point of being the treasurer Of the Lord and of his following. But the old proverb was right never judge a book by its cover. Or things are not always the way they appear to be. Judas was certainly not what he appeared to be, but is it possible that Judas was performing these miracles by another power? Could it be that Judas was not actually performing these miracles and the power of God, but rather was performing them by some other power? And I submit unto you, yes. Just because someone performs miracles does not mean that that person is born again. It does not mean that they are a legitimate prophet of the Lord Jesus Christ, Although it is evident to others in the early stages, although, excuse me, it's not evident to others in the early stages of Judas' life, it later did manifest itself that he was exactly a devil from the beginning. Jesus taught that there would be many who would preach in His name, prophesy in His name, cast out devils in His name, do mighty wonders in His name, but yet He would say unto them in Matthew 7.23, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Now, if it was not the power of God, it had to be the power of Satan. But why would Satan do something like this? ...in order to deceive others. Satan is the great counterfeiter. He will make something look so close to the genuine. He wants to deceive. Satan will make something taste just like the original. But he puts a drop of arsenic in it to ensure that it kills. Judas was a devil from the beginning, deceived by Satan and blinded by sin. So I ask you this morning, are you doing much... In the name of Christ, but like Judas, are blinded by your sin? Are you caught up in all the signs and wonders, and have forgotten to examine your own motivations? How am I to judge my motivations to know if they are true? Well, the Bible tells us in hebrews four twelve the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And so there we find that the Word of God discerns the motives of our own heart. Are you deceived by Satan and deceived by self? If so, I encourage you to examine yourself Do you outwardly appear religious and righteous, but inwardly you are a devil? You would say, well, I read the Bible publicly, I attend church, I know the church lingo, I give to the church, I volunteer in missions efforts, but all that is null and void if there's not been a change wrought in the heart. This is something that we must understand. There is an evangelical message that is missing from most pulpits today, the need of the transformation of the heart that comes by the new birth. Religion and salvation is not found in what you do, but is found in what Christ has done. Christ has accomplished redemption. And if you are trusting in that accomplished work, it will have a marvelous outworking in your life. You won't have to force yourself to read the Word. You won't have to force yourself to attend church. You won't have to force yourself to want to go on a missions trip. It will naturally arise from within you because there is this desire to serve Christ. Why? Because it has been wrought within. Judas was simply outwardly righteous, outwardly religious, but inwardly a devil. So we see the first thing about Judas, that Judas had an appearance of godliness. The second thing I want you to notice is Judas's public apostasy. Within Judas there arose an evil heart of unbelief, and departing from the living God. The question is, how did this happen in his life? What was the motivation for Judas to betray our Lord? Now, we're not told what they were, but we can gather from the information given to us from the Scriptures three reasons for Judas's motivation in betraying our Lord. Number one... He was envious of Jesus' focus on the Galileans. Iscariot literally means a man of Kerioth. Kerioth was a town in the south of Judea, while Galilee was much farther north. And Judas likely felt that Jesus was giving his people the cold shoulder, and that he and his people were the odd ones out. That he was not, his people were not given any attention. Or, secondly, Iscariot comes from the Latin word sacari, a Latin term for those zealots who seek to violently overthrow Rome. And Judas was likely looking for a strong political leader as Messiah to set up an earthly kingdom. But Jesus did not do that. He found Jesus the Nazarene wanting in this area of political reform. Jesus had come rather to establish a spiritual kingdom and not a political one. He said, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom was of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews, but now is my kingdom not from hence, John 18.36. But the one that does come directly to us in Scripture is this that Judas was a man full of greed. We read there in John 12, verse 4 through 6, Then saith one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him, Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag, and bear what was put therein. We read that he was a thief. That was his motivation. He was greedy. Matthew 26, verse 15. And said unto them, What will ye give me? And I will deliver him unto you. And they covenanted with him for thirty pieces of silver. So here we find... The outworking of this apostasy in the life of Judas, Judas's public apostasy. I want you to notice that Satan entered into him. What was secretly in Judas's heart now manifests itself. Here was a man energized by Satan and possessed of him. We read there in John 13 and verse 27. And after the sop, Satan entered into him. Then said Jesus unto him, That thou doest do quickly. This possession took place on two separate occasions. On two separate occasions in the Gospels, it is recorded that Satan entered into Judas. The first we find is at the Feast of Passover, drawing nigh, "'Judas goes to the chief priests and captains "'to betray Jesus for money.'" In Luke 22 and verse 3, it says, "'Then entered Satan into Judas, "'surnamed Iscariot, being of the number of the twelve. "'So the feast of Passover is drawing nigh "'as Judas goes to the chief priest "'to betray Jesus. "'He is then possessed of Satan.'" Secondly, after the Passover meal that we read here in John 13, the Passover meal, Jesus dips the sop and hands it to Judas. Then Satan enters Judas, and he departs prior to the institution of the Lord's table. John 13:27. And as a man possessed by Satan, he gives clear indication that he was not converted. Because Scripture makes it very clear that those that are converted, those that are born again, cannot be possessed of devils and demons. Because they are possessed of the Spirit of God. And God will not allow something unclean to abide in something that is clean. We have been cleansed inwardly by the Spirit of God. And it is not possible that we can be possessed of devils as well as be possessed of the Spirit. So in application, this possession by the devil did not take place overnight. It's not all of a sudden that Judas woke up and said, you know what, I'm going to betray Jesus today. It's not all of a sudden he woke up and said, you know what, I'm going to sell Jesus. No one is possessed after the first immediate sin. But over a period of time of continued sin... And rebellion and hardness he was a prepared instrument for Satan, and so it is with men today, men and women that, over a period of time, continue in a state of sin, rebellion and hardness are preparing themselves to be instruments of Satan judas Judas falling away was a steady decline towards further and further depravity. And when I would ask yourself this question, am I like Judas headed in this downward spiral? Eventually this downward spiral will bring you into the full control of Satan himself. So I want you to now also see with me, not only Judas being possessed of Satan, but now Judas' betrayal. Judas now so hardened by sin, greed, and disappointment, no overthrow of the Roman government, and Christ's focus on Galilee, he now turns directly away from Christ to Satan. Judas is now under the complete sway and dominion of the devil himself. Judas moves from being an apostle to an apostate. Judas will now sell out the Savior. Those whom Jesus spoke the most harshly to, the Pharisees and the religious of their blindness, Judas now turns to them in anger and disappointment. Judas knows that they have it in for Christ and Judas feels the same as them. Here Judas, an intimate friend, "'turns into a treacherous foe of the Savior. "'So treacherous and deceptive "'and double-crossing was the act of Judas "'that Jesus said in Matthew twenty-six twenty-four, "'The Son of Man goeth as it is written of him, "'but woe unto that man "'by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. "'It had been good for that man "'if he had not been born.'" So great, I submit to you, will be the judgment that will fall upon Judas that it would have been better for him to have never come into existence than to have betrayed the Son of the living God. Judas was perhaps the most evil man that ever lived. To actually walk up to Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane with a host behind him with swords and staves... And to walk up to Christ and to kiss Him upon the cheek. What deception. What betrayal of Judas. For three and a half years he was with our Lord. Judas was exposed to divine truth... On countless occasions, he was constantly hearing the teachings of Christ in both teaching and example. Judas experienced and he saw the love of God. He saw as Jesus would kneel down to those who were leprous and he would bring healing to their bodies and he would open the eyes of the blind. He saw the love of God. He saw the compassion of God, the power of God, the kindness of God, the forgiveness of God, the grace of God, all in the Son of God. But yet he rejected God. God. It would not even take the first step of faith in following the Redeemer. Oh, he literally followed Christ. But he wasn't following Him in his heart. He had no desire to submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And I believe I'm correct in this, and I would have to go back and double check, but I believe this is correct. You will never find a single occurrence in the scriptures of Judas ever acknowledging Jesus as a Lord. He'll call him rabbi. He'll call him master, but never once acknowledges him as a Lord. And that is a requirement for salvation. PAUL MADE THAT VERY CLEAR, THAT IF YOU SHALL BELIEVE IN YOUR HEART THAT GOD HAS RAISED HIM FROM THE DEAD, THOU SHALT BE SAVED. YOU MUST CONFESS WITH YOUR MOUTH, JESUS AS LORD. NO, LORD OF YOUR LIFE, LORD OVER EVERYTHING. AND JUDAS WAS UNWILLING TO SUBMIT TO THE LORDSHIP OF JESUS CHRIST. JUDAS SOMEHOW MANAGED TO CONCEAL HIS WICKED HEART OF UNBELIEF FROM EVERYONE EXCEPT JESUS. Perhaps God's greatest judgment is reserved for one of the most heinous sins of mankind. And if you turn away and become apostate, it would be good for you that you had never been born. Listen to this very sober warning and look with it. Look with me. Turn to Hebrews 10. And verse 29, I want you to see this verse with your own eyes. Hebrews 10, 29. There is severe judgment to come upon the one who knows the truth and yet abandons it. Hebrews ten twenty nine says of how much sore punishment. Suppose ye shall he be thought worthy, who hath trodden under foot the Son of God, and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing, and hath done despite under the spirit of grace. What sort of punishment suppose ye do you think this person will come under? They were sanctified, I take that to be that they were in the covenant community, the visible covenant community of the church and they have trodden underfoot the blood of the Son of God. They have counted everything that they were taught as an unholy thing. THE BIBLE SAYS THEY HAVE DONE DESPITE UNDER THE SPIRIT OF GRACE. HEAR EVEN STRONGER WORDS FROM PETER. LOOK WITH ME NOW AT 2 PETER CHAPTER 2. 2 PETER 2 VERSE 21 AND 22. HEAR THESE WORDS OF PETER. 2 PETER 2.21 FOR IT HAD BEEN BETTER FOR NONE OF THEM, FOR IT HAD BEEN BETTER FOR THEM NOT TO HAVE KNOWN THE WAY OF RIGHTEOUSNESS. "...then after they have known it, to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. But it has happened unto them according to the true proverb. The dog has turned to his own vomit again, and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire." Note that verse number 21. "...it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness, than after they have known it, to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them." At the day of judgment, how great will God's judgment and vengeance and wrath come upon those that have been given so much light, that were exposed to the truths of the gospel, that even professed to know Him as a Lord but never had Him in their heart. Here he says it would have been better for them to have never known than to have departed from it. So severe will the judgment be for apostasy. Severe punishment and judgment will rest upon those who know the truth and reject it. It is a fearful thing to have so much light and to reject it again and again and again. Apostasy truly is a terrible tragedy. We see Judas, a man that had an appearance of godliness. We see Judas's betrayal... But now I want you to see, last of all with me, Judas's horrific end. No, the Bible doesn't just end by speaking of Judas's, Judas just betraying the Lord, and that's the last we ever hear of him. Apostasy will lead to horrible ends. Judas found no place for repentance. This was similar to the story regarding Esau. One writer said this, that Esau bitterly regretted, but did not repent. He selfishly wanted God's blessings, but he did not want God. He had fully apostatized and was forever outside the pale of God's grace. And that's where Judas found himself. He wanted God's blessing, but he did not want God. He fully apostatized and was forever outside the pale of God's grace. We read in Matthew 27 and verse 3, Then Judas, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself and brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned, and that I have betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, What is that to us? See thou to it. What do we do with this? I just said to you that Judas found no place of repentance. But here in Matthew 27 and verse 3, it said that Judas repented himself. In our authorized version, it has the word there, repented, but this Greek word here is different than the normal word for repentance. It's not to be misunderstood as the same word as repentance, but here the word means regret or sorrow. He saw the maltreated and beaten and mocked son, and now he sees him ready to be condemned to death. And this remorse... This regret and sorrow was so excruciating upon Judas that it produced profound guilt, but yet he did not have a work of biblical repentance. And we have seen this in people. They do something they're not supposed to do. They they make a very shady business deal. Or we've even seen it recently in the media about the particular gentleman that owned this island and all the immorality that took place amongst young people and how he ultimately committed suicide because the remorse and and the guilt and the sorrow, so overwhelming we see it in our world today that they cannot live with the consequences of their bad decisions and their sin. And this is where Judas was. He was in a state of guilt, but he did not have biblical repentance. So I ask you, you're like Judas today. Are you sorrowful over your sin? And you feel guilty about it, but it has not yet led you to repentance of sin. Beg God that he will give you the sorrow that produces true repentance, which results in a transformed life. So we see that Judas here had a horrible end. He found no place of repentance. But last of all, I want you to see Judas had a terrible death. We read in Matthew 27 and verse 5 that after he went before these religious leaders, that he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple, and he threw it against the floor, all the money that he was given. He thought that he would find peace in it and betraying the Son of God for money, and he is so eaten up with guilt, he cast it at the feet of the religious leaders, and he departs. We read, he went out and he hanged himself. In Acts one eighteen. Luke, the doctor, describes it this way, that this man purchased a field with the reward of iniquity, and falling headlong, he burst asunder in the midst, and all his bowels gushed out. Judas' guilt was so strong it drove him mad. It is likely that the tree that Judas hanged himself on overlooked a cliff. And as he went to hang himself, the rope or the branch likely broke, and his body fell upon the rocks below, and his bowels gushed out. This was the end of Judas. Guilt over a heinous sin will drive you mad. It drove Judas mad. Guilt will cause you to contemplate morbid ideas... And guilt has driven many a person to suicide just as Judas. Once a person has been totally given over to Satan as Judas, guilt not only drives them farther away, but it drives them farther and farther away from God. But it didn't end there with Judas. Judas, the one that walked with the Savior, the one that had an appearance of godliness, and when the moment appeared right, Satan entered into Judas, and he betrayed the very Son of God, and he was eaten up with guilt over it, and he died and fell upon the rocks, but that was not the end of Judas. We read in Acts 1, 25, turn there with me, to Acts 1 and 25, what is the ultimate end of Judas? Judas. Acts 125 says that he may take part of the ministry and apostleship from which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go to his own place. This is the end of Judas. He went to his own place. As soon as Judas physically died, he consciously awoke. In the spirit, in another place, and that place was not heaven. This place he went to when he awoke, he heard the sound of the weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. He no doubt recalled every sermon. In every invitation of the Savior, he remembered every word of Christ. It is a place where the worm dies not, and the fire is never quenched, where the conscience never dies out. He recalled every prayer he heard of the Savior. It makes me wonder, because our Savior prayed for people. I wonder if he remembered... Even the possibility of our Lord even praying for him. He was and is in a place that he shall never escape. Judas awaked in hell. And this is the terrible end of the apostate. It is hell. It is forever separated from God. This is what they wanted in their life, to be separated from God. And in the eternity, that is what they shall receive. Separated eternally from God. My question to you today is, do you find yourself moving in the trajectory of Judas? Outwardly appearing righteous, but inwardly, Wicked, defiled, depraved, ungodly, no desire for the things of God, you put a good show on outwardly, but inwardly, you feel just like Judas. If that is where you are, I remind you of your end. If you do not turn to the living God, if you do not look to Christ, your end will be the very same end as Judas. Are you like Judas with guilt but no conviction that drives you to dependence upon the Savior? Will you soon hear the sound of the gnashing of teeth? Will you soon hear the cries of the damned? Will you soon feel the fire lick up your spirit but never ever be consumed? Will you be forever separated from God? I pray that that is not your end. This is why... As Christians, as we that profess faith in Christ, we need each other so much. We need to gather together, oh, so much the more. Here was a man and is a man, Judas, that knows the danger of an evil heart that causes one to depart from the living God. As I said, do you simply have a form of godliness but deny the power thereof? You do well to examine your life and say, Lord, is it I? You may be able to deceive others around you, but you cannot deceive the one who knows the thoughts and intents of your heart. We could deceive our spouse. We could deceive our friends. We could deceive the elders and the pastor. But we cannot deceive God. The one who sees all things, the one whose eye runs to and fro through all the earth, and all things are naked and opened unto him. He sees and knows the thoughts and the intents of our heart. There is nothing that God does not know. How great will be the judgment that falls upon that individual that knows the truth today, but continually suppresses it. The book of Romans 1 warns about that, does it not? About those that change the truth of God into a lie. And it says that they suppress the truth. They know the truth, but they suppress it, and they want their own sin, and that's what Judas wanted. It would have been good for that person never to be born than to meet the one with whom they have to do naked and undone. So today if your guilt is driving you to repentance and driving you to Christ, repent and believe the gospel, trust in Him today. Today the Lord extends hands of mercy and His voice whispers lovingly in your ear, come away my beloved, come after me, come to Christ today. And do not be as the one like Judas who kissed the door of heaven and went to hell. But be the one who walks through the door and walks through the pearly gates. Not on your own merits, but on the merits of Jesus Christ in Him alone. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for the Word of the Lord. GOD, WE THANK YOU FOR THIS SOBER REMINDER. GOD, YOU SAID IN THE BOOK OF HEBREWS, BEWARE, BRETHREN, LEST THERE BE IN ANY OF YOU AN EVIL HEART OF UNBELIEF IN DEPARTING FROM THE LIVING GOD. AND GOD, WE HAVE SEEN THAT VERSE PLAYED OUT IN THE LIFE OF JUDAS ISCARIOT. BUT LORD, THAT VERSE HAS BEEN PLAYED OUT IN MANY ANOTHER, DOWN THROUGH HISTORY that have turned from the living God. God, would you, you have promised in your word that those that have believed on you, they will persevere unto the end. Those that have truly been regenerated by thy sovereign grace, the God that you will ensure their perseverance and their preservation, God, to the day of Jesus Christ. So God, we thank you for those of us that are in Christ. That, God, there is a divine promise. But, oh God, we pray today for those that, God, know that they are outwardly religious, but inwardly they are full of dead men's bones, and they are still undone in sin. Oh God, that you would point them to Christ today. That you would show them, Lord, they need more than an outward religion. They need the inward religion of the heart, that old-time religion that transforms the inside all the way from the inside out. God, we pray for such a marvelous work of grace in the hearts of people. So, God, we pray for those that we do know. God, and those in our own families, our friends, our acquaintances, the God that have had a Judas like experience. God, those we know raised up in the church of the living God, those who are visible members of the church, but yet, God, they have apostatized. They have turned aside from the faith. They want nothing to do with the gospel. How we pray, O God, that you would have mercy upon their souls. That God, that thou would save them and draw them out of the pit of iniquity that they find themselves in today. So God, might we pray even more fervently, O God, that you would be merciful to them. God, be with us until we are able to gather again next week on the Lord's Day. We ask it all in Christ Jesus' name, amen.